You're listening to SuperPod, Road to One Million, presented by SuperOps.ai, where we ask top MSP owners what it's like in the trenches and what does it take to build a million dollar MSP. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of SuperPod, Road to One Million. Many MSPs deal with this uh, question of whether to break six or not. Our guest today runs an MSP business that went through this exact phase and has found their sweet spot. Uh, Nick Martin is the director of Pennsylvania-based Main Street IT Solutions. Nick's dad started Main Street in 2010, and Nick has been part of the operations, spearheading its growth right from the start. He's going to walk us through Main Street's journey on moving from break-fix to managed services business. Thank you, Nick, for joining us today, yeah. and really glad to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's a very interesting topic because um, a lot of MSPs start out as brick fix or, you know, they continue as a brick fix model and they do struggle, quite a few do struggle to make that move from brick fix to managed services. And there are a lot of questions about, you know, do we continue brick fix? Do we stop it? How do we do the transition? You know, what what is the right thing to do? How to avoid pitfalls? All of these are questions that quite a few businesses and business owners have, right? So I think this is a great topic. But if you could start off with a little bit of a background about Main Street, about uh, the business that you have built, a bit of a context there, and then we can go into the specifics. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So um, we started Main Street, or my dad started Main Street IT Solutions in 2010, as you alluded to earlier. And um, in those early days, it was obviously break fix. I, that's how everybody gets their start. And uh, in those early days too, I started out um, <laughs> not receiving a paycheck. Um, it was very much grassroots. You know, I, I was working for free, just trying to get it up off the ground. And, um, and so we spent those next couple of years really building up a client base. Um, as with break fix, uh, anytime you're doing that, there's a lot of hustling involved. There's a lot of putting out fires. Um, and so we proceeded through that whole process um, for the next cu- couple of years. And I think it was in like the 2017 range when we were really introduced um, to this idea of managed services, contract-based relationships. And so we started out in that journey trying to uh, uh, finesse our way to, to figuring out what does it mean to actually have a contract? Why would anybody want one if we're actually providing great service? Um and, and what does that look like? And, and so we spent the next two years specifically diving into these details and figuring out, okay, uh, we have some really great customers or can we convert these customers from break fix to contracts? And what we found out is that uh, our best customers wanted to. Um, they were actually more than happy to do that. They didn't waste any kind of time. Um, we didn't have to really you know, twist our arms into doing so. Uh, that doesn't mean we faced any kind of resistance, um, but as soon as we explained some of those benefits of moving towards a true managed services alignment, uh, what we found is that the relationship on both sides really uh, did well, and, and they were really grateful. We were super grateful, and uh, in 2019, then we converted that to entirely managed services. So if you didn't have a contract with us, we actually cut off all the break fix, um, which was an interesting uh, uh, time frame, uh, t- time for the business. And uh, it ended up working out very well. It's a long story short, but we can dive into the specifics of what that looked like as well. Right. I, I, I did 
I did want to understand that a little better, uh, but I wanted to also um, understand this part a bit more. If you could go into a little bit more detail on, was there a specific trigger or was there a specific reason, you know, behind transitioning from BRICS, BRICS six to managed services? Was that something that you had already decided was, you know, this is the path forward? Did you know that, you know, managed services would, you know, mean recurring business, it, it would mean recurring revenue, and that's something that you were interested in? Is that something consciously you thought of, or, you know, did it happen more organically, more naturally? Um, I think there was always a little bit of this uh, natural fear. Month to month, we didn't know kind of where we were going to end up, and some months were awesome. Right. You know, we really made out well, and then the next month, it's like, all right, there's is a pretty quiet month. So it, there was just a lot of natural, I think, um, fear at that time. But a lot of this, I actually think came through, um, came from, came through uh, research and having peers um, and being able to connect to places like Reddit, online forums, um, just knowing people through social media and having these different peer groups. Because a lot of them were claiming, hey, you need to get on this managed services bandwagon. It's recurring revenue. You're guaranteed uh, you're guaranteeing what your monthly income will be, and this is just a path forward. And so that a lot of that came from from them. In our specific area, where we're located, about an hour west of Philadelphia, we didn't have a ton of competition, and, and so it was we don't really have anybody local we can really connect with. Um, and so being able to have those peers was super helpful for us and understanding, hey, this is actually a really good trend. Um, and so being able to listen to them, how do they do this? How do they convert people? Um, and that that's where we got a lot of our information. And then we just kind of decided, hey, let's go. Let's let's try it. Um, it I, I believe it actually happened after one of those months where it's like, wow, we didn't we didn't make out quite like we were hoping to. We need to make sure that we're taking care of the business and make, making sure that we're pulling in the correct income for our services and what we're looking to provide. Right. Got that. And I also wanted to understand, you know, that it's one thing to decide to move from break fix to managed services, but it's another to actually do it, right? So how did that move happen? If you could walk me through maybe some of the specifics of it, like on day to daily basis, what was it like? And and what were those conversations like, right? You said some of them, some of your clients were receptive, some of them were. So what were the conversations like? Give me a glimpse into, you know what that entire period yeah. is. Yeah, sure. Um, so a big thing is that this conversation happened internally for a couple months. Uh, we would toy around with the idea, oh, wouldn't this be nice? Um, can we actually do this? So we've been talking back and forth just kind of sporadically as we would meet together, uh, my dad and I as a leadership team. Um, and so how big was the company then? How, how many techs did uh, we have? We were about five people. Um, okay five people with an intern. So again, not that big of a company at the time. We're still very, very small. And right. so my dad and I just having a lot of conversations like just here and there. So this conversation really played out through a bunch of months. Uh, but when we had decided to really say, let's go for it, uh, the initial stages was all planning because at that point we had probably in our in our CRM, in our um, finance books, in our record keeping books, we we had over two, 200 customers. Now these customers... Uh, we're all break fix customers. We what we needed to do was plan together, and so uh, my dad and I actually ended up sitting down and drafting a couple different versions of letters to say, um, okay, if this is the direction we want to make, so we were informing our current client base, hey, this is where we're going. We want to engage with everybody. Here's 
why we're going this direction. Uh, and the biggest reasoning we, we, our biggest reasoning we gave off to those clients was we want to be successful and we want you to be successful. Um, and this break fix model is a win lose scenario. It, it's, it's hardly ever a win win scenario, but managed right. services can provide all of us a win win uh, scenario. And so we really needed to dig deep on that and make sure our customers understood this because there were a couple of people hurt through this process later on, like they really felt like, well, you did our IT for all this time. And, and that was really unfortunate. But at the same point too, those were the customers we were constantly putting out fires um, and they just didn't want to invest in IT and it made it very stressful for us. So when we laid all this out, we were able to hand this off, um, uh, uh, this information off to our customers. And we got a lot of good feedback. I would say more than 75% of the people that we give our this information to, even if they didn't sign up with us, were super understanding. Um, and then, so that was the first part. And then that second part was being able to give them a plan of action. Hey, if you're going to join and you want to have a managed services through us, great. Uh, let's sit, let's have a conversation. Let's have time to talk and gather. If you're not, we want to, again, sit with you to help you come up with an exit strategy. Here's who right. we're going to recommend. Here's who you want to go to. They're, they're trusted. We trust them. So you should. Um, and how can we help you get everything from us to them, uh, documentation, whatever they may need on their end. And so that there's really a two-step strategy is showing this information and then helping them through that process, whether they sign up or not. Got it. And I remember from our uh, previous conversation, you were mentioning that, you know, initially you went, you know, the entire extreme, right? From break fix, complete break fix to complete managed services. But then you realize that it's good to have a somewhat a mix of break fix and managed services. Of course, you have a strategy for it. I think it would be good for the listeners to understand that as well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, our, our initial idea was, hey, we're going to go all managed services. Um, we love the idea. And that's probably because we sat with the idea the longest. Um, we're also a little biased too, because it's our idea. So it sounds nice. Um, but on the other flip side of that is with new customers, people coming in our door, hearing about us for the first time, probably our biggest mistake was, um, hey, in order to do business with us at all, uh, you need to have a contract. And, and so that was tough for them to swallow. Uh, it was a tough pill to swallow because um, they didn't trust us. They didn't know us. Um, and so I would say coming out of that, what we started doing is coming up with like a ramp up time. Uh, we're pretty intentional about telling people, hey, our end goal is to create this win-win scenario. But if we cannot, um, you know, then we're probably not going to be a long-term fit for you. We're going to show you how we build that trust. We're going to deliver on our promises. Um, but if if you're not wanting to engage in a long-term relationship, that's what we value. And so we're probably not going to be the right ones for you. And I would say about 50% of the people walk through the door right now. Uh, some of them love that because they do want to engage long-term and those are, we find our best customers. And the other half, if they're not interested in engaging long-term, they're the ones that, that just want fires put out and don't really value IT. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of what we're finding. It's not always true, but it's, it's true majority of the time. Got it. And and that's an interesting point, right? It's like, you know, getting a foot into the door, right? Where you are letting these new clients see how you work and then they can make that decision for themselves because a lot of them might not understand really the advantages of going for that managed services model. And they might be a little uncertain about, you know, whether you're a good fit. So all of those get answered with this. 
That's right. That's right. Because they're taking a big risk. And I, you know, one of the things I learned from a peer group of ours is uh, we're, we're not people don't sign up with us because we're the cheapest out there. Um, they, they choose us because there's a level of service out there. And so if we're not asking, if we're not giving them the cheapest price, um, what we're asking them to do is trust us. And so that trust will take time. Right, right. I also wanted to understand another interesting thing about, uh, you know, about your business, about Main Street, is that you are a father-son duo running this, mm -hmm. right? And there are a lot of businesses. I, I was speaking to a couple of other uh, NHPs where they're talking about getting the next generation into the business. It's almost like a family business, right? So I wanted to understand that and, uh, you know, the dynamics of it. How how do you ensure that, you know, uh, you keep the business and family part of it apart? How do you ensure decision making happens? How do you, you know, how do you as the son put your, you know, uh, opinion out there and it's not just the father saying, no, 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 I know better. How, how do you ensure yeah. that happens? Yeah, so this is definitely something we struggled with early on. Um, I mean, I, obviously, I'm I'm still very young. I have a lot to learn. And um, so my tendency was to, well, it's my dad. Well, I can just butt up against and, and, and kind of tell him how I feel. Well, the reality is when we're here, we wear very different hats. And so being able to understand the time and place to have certain conversations, um, we've always had a good dynamic. I think that's really important. Um, if you don't have a good relationship, um, getting involved with money and business probably isn't going to help anything. Um, but we've always had a good dynamic dynamic we could talk about quite a bit. And, and so for us now, um, having that good dynamic out of that place, we are able to distinguish, okay, here, when we're, we're in this situation, we can, we can have open dialogue, disagreements, agreements, figuring out plans. We can have this. Um, however, in this situation over here, well, maybe we should just hold conversation until we are in a good place to talk. Um, Cause that is really important to understand that when we're at work, we're working with our employees, which we're up to 10 now. I mean, we doubled our staff since we did managed services only. Um, you know, if we have that kind of uh, conversation, we need to understand the right place and right time. That's super important for us. Um, and we've also uh, implemented new business strategies. We've been getting a lot of help on the business side of things. I think that's the one thing uh, being in working with computers really exciting building an MSP really exciting, but there still is a business aspect of it. And so we've been getting good coaching onto how to structure our leadership team. And that's been really important to us most recently. Right. So, so when you're saying coaching to uh, structure the leadership, I wanted to understand that as well. So when you are, uh, when it's a father, son or a family run business, right? So how do you ensure that you're showing a path to leadership or a, or a, path career path for your employees and and how how are you ensuring that you know those parts of the business the people management of it like you mentioned getting the leadership uh you know structure in place all of that i wanted to understand that a little better how do you ensure mm -hmm. that that works yeah so what we had to really do is get very specific with job roles um who are who is handling employees um in regards to HR in regards to problems that may arise. Maybe, um, you know, somebody wants more pay or they have a problem with uh, their certain job role. Who is in charge of that? That doesn't mean we can't have conversations behind the scene, but who is taking the lead? Because we can't have our employees, coworkers uh, being confused. And, and also on the customer side of that, who is in charge of ensuring customer relationships? Um, because if 
we need to ensure that we have a very structured plan in place. And so getting really specific with job roles and descriptions, um, we need to ensure that if, if I'm in charge or if my dad is in charge uh, of a very specific criteria, they will take the lead. Again, that doesn't mean we can't have conversation behind the scenes, uh, but for us to have conversations um, in, in order to lead and lead well, we need to understand, okay, I am in charge of this. This is, this is my area. You know, maybe we can disagree behind closed doors and work something out, but that uh, when it comes to day-to-day management of, of business and people, you know, we have to understand who is taking the lead. Mm, right. That's a very important point, that demarcation of roles, right? Clear, clear mm. boundaries, yes. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's an interesting point. I also, you know, wanted to understand, uh, you know, going back to the break fix and MSP part of it, you know, what was the uh, impact like? Uh, both for and and when when you look back, right? Are there things that you would have done differently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the biz, uh, the impact actually right out of the gate when we made this transition, um, was basically twofold. It was time and money. Um, on a positive note, we were able to gain so much time back because now we're committing to people who are committed to us, and that means we can get out ahead of stuff. Okay, we see this client over here. Here's a reoccurring issue. We're going to go ahead and get out ahead of this because if they're not calling us, that means they're operational. That that's a win-win situation. So the first thing it did was create create a lot of time to be intentional uh, with each other as a as a team and also with our customers. The second thing it did actually was a very negative impact, which is probably what most people are fearful of when it comes to getting rid of break fix is um, we lost about anywhere between 10 to 15 to $20,000 a month um, and that break fix revenue. Um, and it, and it was some months it was greater, uh, closer to that 20 mark and other months is probably maybe closer to that five grand mark. But again, that was part of the problem we were trying to remove from the equation. We're not quite sure what we're going to end up with because we have right. no idea what the month holds. And, and so that was a negative aspect of that. That took us a little bit to work through. Um, but because of that first uh, that first part there with the time, now we have time for new customers. Now we can grow our managed services uh, out because there's a lot of time that is created that we can continue to grow and polish off our service offering. Right. And and when you move from fix to managed services, Structurally, as you know, as teams, because the business is a very different, right? The, the model is very different. So, was there a lot of restructuring you had to do internally? Were there new roles that you had to, you know, hire for? Were there roles that were made mm-hmm. redundant? How how did you manage that part of it? Yeah. So, really, in the early days, because we really cut off. I mean, a large portion of our customer base is pretty flexible. Um, you know, we, again, we still only had five people at that point, so we could be very flexible with people and their schedules. And as we built out the managed services, then, then we really had to structure. And that's really where the restructuring came in place. Um, what we had to do is develop tiers in a meaningful way um, before it's almost, I shouldn't say it was a free fall, but it pretty much felt that way. You know, a ticket comes in, who's handling it? Well, I don't know who's not doing anything right now. I'll just give it to them. Um, where all of a sudden we developed the managed services side of things and that kept growing and getting more and more. We developed uh, tiers one through three um, where we were just developing people to take on certain issues that we would know come up. We, we were able to track issues a whole lot more effectively. And so that restructuring, uh, and it was pretty natural. I felt like, okay, we have this skill set here. So now you're going to be our tier two um, and you're going to be able to handle anything that gets that, that, um, 
that that comes in that we automatically know goes to tier two. Um, so for example, if it's not a simple password reset, if it's not a simple um, really out of the gate that our dispatch level one can't handle, we just know it's going to go straight to level two. And we started developing workflows around this. Um, that way we can stay ahead of things. So the restructuring probably didn't happen until another another year or so afterwards when we really started hitting the ground running with managed services and growing that out. Okay, okay, that's interesting. I also wanted to understand, so, you know, when um, when you were a big six, this state primarily, and after, now that you've transitioned to uh, managed services, are there, you know, do you look at hiring especially tech hiring from a different lens and how, how, what do you look for when you look for uh, a tech hire? Yeah. So when we, this is a great question. What we look what we really look for, what we used to look for is how busy are we? And it made us very hesitant to hire because again, there's such a variability on, I don't know how many hours we're going to put in. And so we, what we'd often do is kind of overload people at times. And so, what we do to try to compensate that is if we are having a really good week where we didn't have as many hours put in, we were just giving people random time off because we didn't want them to burn out. Um, where now we actually are in a pretty predictable model. We understand what it takes, how much revenue it takes to hire mm-hmm. out um, and, and figure out how much is really left over because everything we have coming in is cash flowed in a way that's predictable. Um, so we know a lot of, a lot of it's done uh, based on company size. So whenever we pull in a managed services contract, depending if it's a 10 person company versus a hundred person company, um, it, it can, it helps us understand, okay, this is how many people we're going to need to service this in a month. Um, and, and it helps us get a little bit more predictable on our hiring. Got it. Got it. And, um, you know, when you, when you look at, um, the business growth that you've had, right. And you, and you have quite a, a fair spread of clients, what's the one channel or one, uh, you know, customer acquisition channel that you have that has worked really well for you? The I'm sorry, repeat that last one again. The customer acquisition channel is it referral, word of mouth, or you know, specific kind of email yes. marketing? What 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 has worked yes. well for you? So so this is very uh, a prevalent conversation today. So I've um, been devoting a ton of time into marketing and business development this past year, um, but prior to that, everything was word of mouth. Everything we did was word of mouth, and so that in in that essence, it's been really good. Um, because we went from five people to 10 people within a very short amount of time, but just based off a of word of mouth. Um, but what probably last year around this time, maybe a year and a half, uh, what we found is that that word of mouth just wasn't, uh, we were getting so effective in our workflows. We were getting so good at escalation and understanding our workflows from the time a ticket came into time a ticket was closed um, that the it kind of stagnated our growth. So we experienced really quick growth. Um, and then all, all of a sudden, um, the word of mouth, it just takes a lot longer. It takes a while to get people in the door, understand, you know, you're making happy people, but that, that, that doesn't necessarily mean because we're a true business to business, that doesn't necessarily mean employees are going home telling their spouses, Hey, you got to switch your IT company. So the word of mouth had worked really well and it still works very well in terms of owners to owners or executives to executives. Um, but, when we're interacting with a majority of employee base who 
they don't really care. Uh, we really had to get intentional with our marketing. So then I've really devoted a ton of time here in this past year, year and a half to do that whole business development aspect. And we've been doing a ton of uh, social uh, marketing along with um, video production and that kind of stuff. So it's been exciting. Um, and so it really did start grassroots. It was just like, hey, just, just, just tell people about us and hopefully we'll grow. And we did. Um, but now we're just not growing at a rate, uh, which to be honest, has actually made it very fun. We've grown in a way uh, and and with enough speed. Now, all of a sudden, five years ago, or even when we first started business, I could not imagine growing at this rate. And now we're not growing fast enough, even though I would have been thrilled back then at growing at this rate. And so it's, it's just shown us how quickly we can grow, where we can understand our workflow, understand our processes, uh, our key performance indicators have been huge for us, understanding analytics, that kind of thing. So instead of putting out fires, now what we're doing is understanding our key performance indicators and how that affects our workflow and getting new customers. And, and we're just focusing on a whole lot more than, than, than on people who really don't want us there to begin with. Right. And and it's interesting you mentioned about uh, the key performance indicators. I wanted to understand, you know, when you look at metrics, uh, you know, uh, business truth, what are the what are the key say, three ones that you look at to uh, assess the health of your company? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we don't guarantee service level agreements with with our customers, but we use them internally. Um, so. For example, if a certain priority ticket comes in, we have an internal SLA set up. And so we have metrics built around that. Are we able to meet our service level agreement that we have set up internally? Because if not, why? Why are we not meeting that criteria? And one of the most simple ones to understand is how many tickets we're opening in a day versus how many we're closing in a day. Are they medium priority tickets? Are they high priority tickets? Are they critical tickets? Like what kind of metrics are we collecting Um and how are we using that data it has been super important to us in our growth this past year and understanding how to create workflows around that. So for example, one of the things we track is a uh, time to resolution on medium priority tickets with, um, with that, that come in as uh, service requests. So we differentiate out our, our different um, tickets and, and what kind of types they are. And so if somebody's saying, Hey, I need email set up on my phone. Well, that would be a normal normal medium ticket priority and how quickly can we can we actually get that out because once we know it goes above a certain threshold we know customers tend to get a little antsy they tend to get a little frustrated at the time it takes to, to fulfill a simple request and so we know if we need to adjust and and it doesn't mean it'll tell us how to adjust but it, it lets us know hey we have a problem here we should probably be checking this out and and adjusting and we we got to figure this out and so collecting that data analyzing that data on a pretty regular basis has been very, very key for us and our growth. Right. right. That's that's a very interesting uh, you know, point. And when you look back, if you do you remember the first clients that you got and how you got the clients? Yeah. So our first client is a whole reason we even started this business. Um, it was an old work colleague of my dad's and a um, bunch of years ago, um, it, 2010, he had approached my dad and said, Hey, are you still in IT? Because my dad had operated as an IT manager of a bunch of different companies and most recently had operated as IT manager of a, about a three, 4,000 person company. Um, and so it was, it was, he was coming out of that wanting to start his own business. Wasn't sure quite if he wanted to yet or not, but um, an old colleague of his approached him and said, Hey, are you doing IT? Are you still doing anything there? Uh, I'd love to hire you. I have my own business and I need help in a bad way. And so 
he ended up becoming our first customer, still a customer to this day, which we're super grateful for. Um, but if it wasn't for that extra push into to doing this, I, I, I don't know if he would have made the jump or not. Wow. Those, those uh, you know, connections, those coincidences, those, that really uh, makes a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah no doubt. Stories actually are, you know, and, and every MSP has that. I think that that reason why they decided to mm. launch. That's that's why it's interesting to hear your stories. Yeah. And 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 for uh, you know, MSPs who maybe you know want to start out, or who are struggling to earn revenues right now, what what would your message be to them? What was our revenue at that time? Is that what you're asking? No, no from MSPs who are right now, say, struggling you know, or, or oh. struggling to earn revenues or, you know, who are you know, doubting themselves, what would your message be to them? Yes, yes. You know, I think the biggest thing is IT, MSPs and IT personnel in general can tend to devalue themselves, especially in the MSP level, especially when there's a lot of people saying, hey, I don't want to sign up with you because I don't value you. And so when you hear that message so often, it, it can you can almost start to believe it. And it was something that we te- we can struggle with from time to time, especially if we get a bunch of no's in a row from new people coming in, you know, they're, they're like, I don't see the value here. And it's like, okay, it's, it's hard because you see the value, but if everybody around you doesn't see that value, you know, is it, is it, is it valuable? I don't know. And so one thing I would just encourage different MSPs is to, to simply understand your worth. Uh, you know, you're going to have your really, really good clients and they're going to let you know what that worth is. And so my my suggestion is to lean in to your best clients. Our best clients continue to reaffirm the value that we give them. Um, you know, I constantly have emails coming in and it's usually from the same clients and from the same people and they're saying, hey, amazing job. We're so grateful that you're here to help us out. Thank you so much. And, and, and just understanding that they're really the ones uh, that you need to part that we need to partner with and that they're actually reaffirming that, yes, there is value there. You can't just listen to any single person, especially when a vast majority of the public really doesn't understand IT and the amount of work that it takes to back end to make work. Um, it, yeah, it can be a little overwhelming at times, but I would just encourage you guys just to to, to, to lean into those really good customers and, and continue to understand your worth and value and, and make sure that you hold on to that. And, and it's easier said than done. Those the people who are really one ear and attention and, and it's a struggle, but you got to find a way, got to, got to build out that, um, that tough skin. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's a very important point. Is that, you know, it can get overwhelming when, you know, you're doing business and, and especially for uh, MSPs where, you know, tech is their forte, isn't it? And when you are doing sales along with it and marketing and you do hear those no's, it can get tough. So uh, understanding why you are doing this and talking to people who, and, and, and is that something that you also do that, you know, do you have a circle that you ensure, like you, you were mentioning your peer group as well, right? So, uh, do you have a network that you can lean on to? Is that something that you cultivate? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody here basically, uh, both for the technicians and executives. Like, I I met with a peer group yesterday, um, and we were discussing simply at, at executive level just the struggles that we face as as managed service providers together. I, I'm I I know there's more than enough business in the market today for MSPs, and so 
Uh, there, there's, there's not a hostility there with these PR groups. We're not trying to out duel each other. We're just trying to help each other get better. And so it is nice to be able to connect with those people. Um, if you don't have a peer group, you need to find one. There's, there are a lot of places, uh, to find those through different vendors and, and they, they are building them out there. They may not necessarily be advertised all that well, but they are out there. And, and I find so much value through them, even if they're sort of the simple fact of, of that emotional support, because it is so needed in this market. Yes, I think that's a very brilliant point because, you know, it can be a lonely journey, right? You are, one, you're offering tech support, which can become quite overwhelming. And the other is your entrepreneurs at the end of the day, and that can also be a very lonely journey. So, yeah, it is good to have that support system. Yeah, yeah and, uh, you know, if, if you were to start all over again, if, to, if you had to do this differently, what would that one thing be that you would do differently? Yeah. Wow. Great question. Again, uh, I really think probably the biggest thing I would do differently is how, what types of people I invite in as a customer. There's been a couple of customers now um, creating better understanding of the types of customers I'm pulling in. I've, I've even had some managed service customers, um, contract customers that ended up being the worst. Um, there's no relationship there. And so if I had to do anything over again, it would be building out metrics to measure value and and what potential lead value. And and that's not value. That's just wanting us to work nonstop and and then they'll blame us at any turn. And, and so I would probably figure out a way to deal with those people a little bit quicker because we've actually had to drop managed services customers because they they sucked the life out of us so much just because they were giving us a monthly income doesn't necessarily mean that that was the most productive relationship or you know if they're sucking up that much time then they're detrimental to our other customers and so there is a balance there you're going to have months where maybe you put a little bit of extra time but there's there it needs to be focused on a relationship and i would say for for a while there we were too much focused on on getting money which i think again is natural when you don't have money coming in the door that's that's a very natural feeling yeah. um but i would probably put a little heavier emphasis on the relationship yeah, that's an important point, right? We we do take a lot of effort in hiring our staff, but when we are looking at onboarding clients, we need to be as you know as careful and uh, be discreet about it, be careful about it. I guess so. That that that's an important point. Anything else, Nick, that we haven't covered that you think would be interesting, which would be useful for other MSPs to know or understand? Um, no, we talked a lot about. To be honest, we could probably talk hours on end but i think the biggest thing that msps need to do is continue to stick together um there's a lot of hostility out there between different it providers and there's a lot of um harsh feelings um as we try to clamor into the market all right. all at once but um i i think the last word i'd like to leave is simply just we got to be able to work together to create a better uh environment and to work cohesively together to to create better customer experiences there's too many there's too many bad providers out there that are creating a negative rap uh, for the whole industry because they don't know how to work with people. They don't understand how to um, relate to people. They can only relate to technology. They can't relate to people. And uh, and that's not fair to a lot of people out there. That's not fair to a lot of companies because it all can take as one bad, one bad egg to ruin the whole batch. But, uh, but I, I would just, I would just like to see the industry work a little bit better together to really create a positive outcome. Right. That That's, that's a great thought. I think great, Nick. Like you said, we can talk for us, but I think uh, we need to stop at some point. Yeah, no worries. We shall, uh, you know, and, and 
really hopeful that we can have another round of conversation in a bit. Uh, that would be great. And thank you so much for coming here, joining uh, this episode of Superpod Road to One Million. Great, great insights. I'm sure it's useful for a lot of MSPs out there. I'm really glad you took the time out for this. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on here. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Have a good day. Bye.